We're in summer school part three. Summer school part three. This is a good school, though. Am I right? Come on, this is a good school. I've been looking forward to sharing this message for some time and waiting for the right moment. And today is the right moment. Look at your neighbor and tell them you need it to be here today. Text the friend that didn't come. Text that friend right now that didn't come and tell them you should have been here today. Or, or you could say it like this. Where you at? All right. Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 25, we're going to read today. Summer school part 3. Ah, I'm excited. It says this, Romans chapter 1. You can follow along on the screens. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, and through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. This is strong. And claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Or I can say it like this. Claiming to be experts, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. Now, don't think that God just rolled out on them. God just said, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. And don't act like as a parent you never reached that point. I remember my mom when I was a kid, go ahead, do what you want. And you do know that's a threat. Like some of us have lived long enough to know that's a threat. In other words, it's about to go down. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Watch this. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. And then he just drops this right afterwards. Amen. Like he amened himself. He didn't know if you were going to do it, so he dropped the amen in there all by himself. Sometimes we got to do that. I got to drop my own amen in there. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day. This is a good day. This is a day that you've made. We're excited. We rejoice in it. And Father, I just pray that your spirit will speak to our hearts here in these next few moments, that it will be more than just a speech. It'll be more than just a sermon. Father, we want to hear your voice. And God, I just stand up here as a servant, as a representative of you. And I ask you to use me today to speak what you want to say to your people. And Father, let this word today encourage us, let it challenge us. But most of all, God, let it point us straight to you. Because we acknowledge that we need you, God. We love you. We're so thankful that you are a good God, full of mercy, slow to get angry, and you show us so much love. Father, in this place today, I ask, God, that your presence will be known. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 
Have you ever had a friend or someone that you knew that had this particular skill or ability that you didn't know about until after you needed them? You know what I'm talking about? Like you had that friend, let's say you were doing some home remodeling and you didn't know that that friend had the kind of skills that he could lay ceramic tile in the bathroom that you were paying someone else to lay ceramic tile. And they came over to your house and they saw your bathroom and they were quite impressed with your bathroom and they said, hey, who put down your ceramic tile? And you said, well, we hired somebody and they said, you should have called me. I could have done it for you. Y'all ever had one of those moments? And it's like, if I had only known. And they're like, if I only knew that you needed help, I could have helped you. And today, that's what I want to talk about. The title of the message today is, if I had only known. If I had only known. And we're going to use this to talk about who God is. Because if you had only known who God was, I believe that we would live our lives differently. Amen? I do. I think we would carry ourselves differently. I think we would behave differently. I think we would talk differently. I think we would believe differently. If we really, really knew who God is. So the book of Romans was literally a letter that was written to the Christian church in Rome. It was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the Roman Empire was very prominent. Like, like this is a hot spot to be. And it's, it has a democratic form of government along with a deep culture of mythology as well as athletics and even the arts. I mean, Rome has it going on. Okay, and so obviously, as the gospel began to spread, the apostle Paul was serious about making sure the gospel got to Rome. And this guy was he was more strategic than you and I, because Paul was the kind of guy that would get himself arrested so that he can get in some places. You know what I'm saying? For most of us, it's because we got in some places. We got arrested. Not me. Y'all. Okay. anyway. And so Rome is literally this melting pot of sorts, and it has all these different beliefs and all these different expressions of religion. And the more that you study Rome throughout history and the more you study Rome throughout the Bible, you begin to see it looks a lot like America today. It really does. I mean, they probably were wearing some different things, and they probably had different kinds of music and everything, but it was a lot like America is today. And Romans 1 sets the scene for an address to the church. Now, sometimes when people read the book of Romans, they think, oh, that's what the world needs to hear. But really, Paul was saying, this is what the church needs to hear. And so when we begin to read through Romans, I need you all to know, this is for us. Look at your name and say, this is for you today. Now, you hadn't even heard everything I was going to say, but you already told them this was for you. And so who knows what's going to happen today? You might say some things. So it's, it, it, Romans 1 sets this scene for an address to the church. And after getting past this formal introduction, he gets straight to the point. You, you can tell he had something to say. Like, like when preachers skip all the formal stuff and just get straight to the point, you know there's something they're trying to tell you. Okay? And he just skips it, and what does he do? He immediately begins to draw their attention to their, to their lack of knowledge of God. Like, this is, the, this is exactly where he's trying to go. He's like, hey, y'all, everybody, I'm, yeah, okay, listen, here's the problem with you people. You don't know who God is. And this is what's happening as a result. And can I tell you today that there are things that are happening in our world, and there are crazy things happening in our world. There are immoral things that are happening in our world because people have a lack of knowledge of God. 
and in their minds, they have created their own version of who they want God to be so they can have approval for how they want to be. So he begins to tell them that the qualities of God are obvious in creation. He says, before anyone's telling you about God, creation has been speaking it from the beginning. The, 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 everything that God created is speaking that there is someone that has created all of this, that is magnificent, that is almighty, that is incredible, because none of us have the capacity or capability of coming up with something so incredible like a human being. And none of us were smart enough to put a sun in the sky and tell it, you come up at this time and you go down at this time. None of us had the power and the authority to tell the ocean, stop right here and tell the land, start right there. None of us had this type of authority. But creation in and of itself, it points to this magnificent, almighty God. And Paul's just letting them out. Listen, you got all these teachers, but creation has been speaking for so long. But because people were not acknowledging him as God, because you have to understand, the the Romans, they they didn't have a problem with God. They just had all kinds of gods. They were cool with all of them. You got your God? Good, I got mine too. Let's just hang out and have our gods together. And so whenever Jesus proclaims God as the true God, the almighty God, people begin to have a problem with it because everybody likes their gods. Amen? Amen? And so as a culture, they adapted to the place to where it was so acceptable to have all these different expressions that even the people who were supposed to be worshiping God as the almighty God, it was just another form of a God that fit in with all the gods in their culture at that time. And because they didn't acknowledge God for who he really is, they were missing out on the power that they so desperately needed in their lives. And this is what we see happening in Rome. And can I say, this is what we see happening in our world today. Because if if God is just another God, he doesn't have sovereignty. And if God is just another God, he doesn't have authority. And if there is no sovereignty and no authority, then really there is no power. But yet we're struggling with so much and we're trying to overcome all these things. It's a cry for power. And not power for me to control, but power for the thing that's controlling me to be broken off of my life. They wouldn't acknowledge him as God. They wouldn't acknowledge him as sovereign, as Lord, as the creator. So they create their own version. I want God to be this. I want God to be that. And as a result, they worshiped idols. Which an idol, watch this, because I know in your mind you're thinking, oh, they're bound down to statues and they're worshiping weird stuff. It was a form of God. It's a form of God. And it's so easy for us to try to build and create our form of God. This is how I worship. That's how I worship. I, 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 don't, I don't do it like that. This is how I do it. And we don't have any clue that we're actually building a form of God. We would never call it an idea, uh, an idol. We call it an idea. I would never call it. I I mean, who's going to line up in here today and say, pastor, I worship idols. Come on. That's me. No, 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 no. You would never do that because you would say, I worship God. 
But we live our lives in a way that we don't truly worship God. We worship our created image of who we want God to be and how we want God to be. And there are some people, their image of God is this really mean and angry God who is looking to get you at all times. And then there are other people that think that God is just so lovey-dovey that there is no standard. That it is just grace or grease, whatever you want to call it, and that you can just live however you want to. There's all the versions of God that people have. But who is the true almighty God? And I think in our world today, this is a struggle that we have. Now, again, I need to remind you that this isn't a letter to the nation of Rome. It was written to the church. It's for church people. Church folk. Us. And it says they traded truth for a lie. Come on, man. Hosea 4 says this. People perish for a lack of knowledge. And it's a lack of the knowledge of God. Remember what I said earlier? If I had only known that that's what you could do. And if I had only known you were right there, (laughs) I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If I had only known, it would be different. This is what happens. The focus, the focus of our lives becomes what? So many times. Just tell me what I need to know. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll flip it. I'll do whatever I want to do. I mean, we can just keep riding down that road right there. And it's all about the what. But really what we need to focus on is who God is and who God wants us to be. Because if we're not careful, we will always try to figure out what in every situation and it will become inconsistent. And it will always be changing. And our kids won't be able to follow it because in one generation we were like this because that's what we thought. And in another generation we had a whole different conviction about it because that's what we thought we needed to do. And it's always based on the what instead of the who. Because the who that we need to be worshiping God Almighty does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we're not careful our what keeps changing and we're focusing on what, it will create such an inconsistency that the next generation cannot even figure out who we are. And better yet, they can't even figure out who God is. Now, just like the Romans... Many Christians have a mixture of beliefs and have many sources of their beliefs and they don't know really what they believe. Don't really know. And if we sat you down and grilled you and asked you what you believe and who do you believe, it would be so intoxicated. And that's the only word I know to use. It would be so intoxicated with so many different expressions and ideas that there is absolutely no clarity to it. Amen. There's no clarity to it. And and we like that because it becomes very acceptable to so many people. But we don't even realize what it's doing in our own life. We don't even realize what it's doing in our own house. We don't realize what it's doing in our own relationships because we're trying to be so acceptable to everything that we haven't even received who God is. 
Are you, are, are you grabbing this? This is so important. We have become so acceptable of everything that we can't even receive who God is. And we become intoxicated with all of those things that we can't even recognize that the very one we needed is standing right there. Right there. And so that's how we live in a world. This explains why we live in a world. That has become built on tolerance and acceptance. And I know you say, Pastor Wade, those are good things. And I agree with you. Those are some good things. But what is our standard? Because we don't have a standard. And it's turning into whatever anyone thinks should go so it doesn't hurt their feelings. But here's the thing about believers. We're not living by feelings. We're living by faith. Amen. And that doesn't give us permission just to start hurting everybody's feelings. we got to have a lot more wisdom and tact than that. Amen. Because there's a lot of people who just attack people who are different than them just to show off their spirituality and how strong they are as a believer. And I can tell you, if you're doing that, you're not really that strong. Like if you got to flex that hard. Think of that. If you have to flex that hard, you're not really that strong. So what happens is this. Many have compromised and have accepted multiple beliefs about morality that aren't even biblical. And have even created and distorted who God is. And every one of us in here hear a message like this, and we don't want to categorize that. Because if we categorize it, it shows up on our doorstep. Because we all have a way that we do it. We all have our preferences. And that's why I say we have a version of God that we would like for him to be. And I can prove it to you. We do it to the very people in our own life. Couple gets married. He's trying to turn her into who he wants her to be. And she's trying to turn him into who she wants him to be. And that struggle can go on for a little while. And everyone really enjoys that. (laughs) Am I right? I wish you were just so much more. I wish you were just so much more quiet. That's what I wish. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever had that little tug of war go on for like 10 years? (laughs) This is what I'm telling you. It comes automatic. You do it to your kids. I wish you were more like that little dude in your science class. If your kid came home and said, I wish you were more like Jimmy's mom. You ready to fight. Well, let me tell you something about Jimmy's mom. Love you, Jimmy. This is what's happened. I'm using strong words today because I need you to see this. It's become a collaborated doctrine. That's a buzzword, by the way, collaborate. It's become a collaborated doctrine that isn't biblical, nor is it theological. But it is logical to a worldview. It's logical. So in interpretation from a worldly point of view, it makes complete sense. But when you look at it biblically, when you look at it theologically, when you look at it from the standard of holiness and the gospel, it can be a clash. So this week, 
You saw it this week. The overturning of Roe versus Wade. You were wondering if I was going to say something. I know. And I'm not going to jump up here and start declaring victory because it ain't victory. It's work. We rejoice because there's a recognition of life, but there is a response that we got to have as well. Because you can't just say we won whenever people need help with the aftermath of this. Amen? Like we have to be more responsible with how we handle this as believers or else we literally get influenced and sucked into a political vacuum that preys off of that very type of behavior. It does. It loves it whenever they pit us against each other and we're throwing rocks at each other and screaming and posting stuff against each other. They love it because now they can manipulate us into whatever they want. But whenever there is a solid conviction on it, see, I think conviction has to be coupled with compassion. Has to be. And if it doesn't have compassion, you're just a mean person. Amen. Happy summer school at Emerge Church. So let's break this word down. Let's take the word doctrine, for example. Sometimes when you hear that word doctrine, you're just like, oh, now we're going too deep. I don't feel like talking about this. But you've heard about doctrine. You've heard different terms, even in politics, that's used to describe doctrine. And doctrine literally is just a set of beliefs. And what I find is so interesting about doctrine is so many people's doctrine evolves. It evolves. Like, whenever you're coming out of high school, you, just, you don't even know what you believe. You just, whatever mom and dad said, we're just going to go with it. And then you go to college, and then you learn some things. And your doctrine evolves. Well, then you start a family, and your doctrine evolves some more because you're like, uh-uh, you ain't doing that to my kid. You know what I'm saying? And it's amazing. It happens with everything. Like, like here's a good example. A lot of students that graduate from high school, they leave church. They quit going to church. They go to college and have the college experience, which I don't understand what that's all about and why we're funding it, but that's what they do. And then they come out of college and they need a J-O-B, a career. And they're not interviewing so well, but they remember mama had a prayer group. You know what I'm saying? Mama, can you put us on the prayer list? Didn't know if I believed that a couple years ago when I sat through that religion class and deconstructed everything I ever believed, but now I don't know what to do. So, Mama, I need you to pray and help us. And Mama said, well, why don't you come to church on Sunday? And so they show up on Easter, and that was good. And the kids love the children's church. And the doctrine evolves. I can keep going, man. Because we have no, we would like to think that all of our beliefs are set in stone and we are solid. And it's amazing that it's not as solid as we think. Because situationally, we allow it to evolve. At one season, it was like, you don't miss church. You got to be solid and be consistent. In another season, it's like, you don't have to go all the time. You can have a relationship with God outside the church. It's amazing how that begins to evolve through the different situations in our lives. And this is what is happening in our world today. It evolves. It evolves through different situations and seasons. And yet we're needing a consistent God. And he is consistent. And we blame God for not being consistent. And God's like, hey, it ain't me. I've been here the whole time. Where are you at? (laughs) He's sending you the text now. Where are you at? (laughs) So, unfortunately, what's happened 
is the focus of doctrine has become what we believe rather than who we believe. This is, what, this is literally what we're facing today. We're trying to find out what we believe instead of who we believe. And I'll give you an example. The question will be asked this way. What do you believe about, and then there's a blank line. Well, what do you believe about abortion? And, 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 and what do you believe about Pride Month? And, and what do you believe about kids going to public school? Or what do you believe about them going to private school? And what do you believe about guns? And what do you believe about this? And what do you believe about that? And we're just going conversation, conversation. What do you believe? What do you believe? What do you believe? And my question is, well, who do you believe? And that is what's missing from the conversation, specifically in the house of God. And that's why even in the church, you can have arguments amongst each other because we're forgetting about the sovereign one. We're forgetting about him. And if you forget about God, it's so easy to lose compassion because he's full of grace. He is compassionate and he is rich in love. And when you try to live a godly life without God, you ain't godly. You're just not. And so compassion isn't going to flow. Conflict. There's always going to be an evolving answer when our beliefs are based on what? Always. It's always going to evolve. Because as times change and things become more and more acceptable in our culture, we will always feel the pressure to fit in. Always. Always. We did it in middle school. We did it in high school. We did it in college. We did it in the workplace. We do it when we bring our kids to the ballpark. We do it when we hang out with our friend group. We just want to fit in. And we're struggling because we're just saying, I got all these people and I still don't feel like I belong. Because it's what? And the question becomes, what are you going to do next? (laughs) What's your next step? What are you going to do next? What? But when you base your beliefs on who you believe, when you base your beliefs on believing God, you have more than an answer about what you believe. You have an anchor for what you believe because it's not based off of culture it's based on an almighty god it's not based on a a a current trend it's based on eternal values because it's based on the almighty god who sees the beginning from the end so now i have an anchor and it may get challenged and it may get stormy and the waters may get rough but the ship is not going down because i got an anchor and that anchor gives me hope So it's so important to base our beliefs on who God is because he is eternal and he is unchanging. So I thought, what are the things that I need to tell you about God that helps you to see a bigger picture, that helps bring the conviction, that helps bring the anchor that we so desperately need so that we're not tossed around by every wind of doctrine. So we're not thrown around the seat. So many people, watch this, so many people are sick of church. Hold on, they're sick of politics. They're sick of all the crazy conversation that is going on. Why is that? Because we're being tossed around by every single wind of doctrine. Which wind can blow the hardest? 
And there's been a wind that's been blowing since day one. It's the wind of the Holy Spirit. Before this thing was even formed, the wind was already blowing. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the earth before it was even created. Before creation ever got crazy, the Holy Spirit was already moving, and he is still moving today. So I prayed. I'm like, God, I need to know some things I can tell them to help them to see who you are. Here's the first thing. It's an attribute of God. Can we say it that way? The first thing, God is always good. Always good. Let me, let me break it down like this. I'm going to unpack it for you. He is holy. He is righteous. Righteous means this. This is what I, you got to hear this. He always does what is right. He is just. In order for there to be justice, there has to be someone who is just. Because justice must be measured. Or else people do crazy things with it. And the justice that we're so desperately looking for is based on the justice of God because God is just. He always does what is right. And can I just simplify it? Because he sees so much more than what we see. You said it. You know you said it. Well, at the time, I thought this was the right thing to do. But now looking back at it, (laughs) probably shouldn't have done that. This is why we need a good God to help us to get it right. Amen. And help us to live right and not just be right. A lot of people focused on be right. And look how right I am and how wrong you are. Instead of just living right. Amen. Amen. Living right. But God is always good. He is loving. And why is he loving? Because he is love. You can't have love without God. Amen. He is merciful, he is gracious, he is kind, he is consistent, he is never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always good. Even when you're not, he is always good. That's why we ask him to forgive us. Not because we're good, because he's good. Good thing he stays good, because we don't. Am I right? Psalms 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord our God is good, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in him. Come on. He's always good. So watch this. The goodness of God shows us that God is compassionate. Thank God. Am I right? Because what if he wasn't? We would just all be hellbound sinners. But because he is so good, he opens the door even for those of us who didn't do it right. He's always good. Here's number two. God is all-knowing. He's all-knowing. You want a fancy word for it? He's omniscient. Go impress your friends with that this week. You have my permission. He knows all things all the time. And this is what that means. He isn't surprised. I know it surprised you, but it doesn't surprise him. Can you see how someone like that doesn't freak out? I just had to put it in our terms because we do freak out. Because we want to be all-knowing, but we're limited. He is all-knowing and not limited, and we're asking God to tell us, and he's all-knowing enough to know that if he told us all that he knows, that it would damage us, and we would lose our minds. 
I'm serious. Some of y'all, I know it would not be good for you to be all knowing. He's all knowing. It also means he doesn't get confused. It also means he doesn't get shaken. He's wise because he is wisdom. It's not just what he's able to pull off. It's who he is. I'll say it this way. He is perfect in every way. He not only has all the answers, he is the answer in all things. And that, my friends, is what makes him sovereign. Because he already knows the answer, he has the answer. And because God is all-knowing, that means he can be trusted. You know who you don't trust? It's people who think they need to know everything. Because they chatty. You know what I'm saying? A little chatty patty. Anybody got that friend? Time to move on from chatty patty. He can be trusted. And because he's all-knowing, watch this, we can have confidence. I don't understand why this is happening, but God is all-knowing. And because he knows how it's going to turn out, I can be confident in him. When I try to interpret it through the means of this world, I'm not confident. I'm crazy. Because now i got to do this, that, and this, and the other thing in order for me to find any type of comfort. And all that does is trigger more things in my life that is making me crazy. And all my friends have figured it out by now. He's crazy. Amen? That's why we got to know God. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Sovereign. Solid. You ain't moving him. Some of you thought he fell off the throne when you showed up. Some of you thought he fell off the throne when you did that thing. I need you to know he's still there. It didn't knock him off. He's still on the throne. And you know what he's trying to do? Get you back up. Amen? He's trying to get you back up. So he's always good. He's all-knowing. Here's number three. God is always present. I just felt like these are some important things for us to know about God because this changes our lives. When you know that God is all present, it changes your life. It will change your behavior. When you're you're around your kids, they act one way. When you're not around, they act another. And sometimes a little bit more detrimental for them to be around you. Some of y'all like, what you mean? I, I know. I had a kid. I had a kid before. At school, they all good. They come home and they crazy. When God is present, it's a different behavior. It's a different language, different reaction, different way of doing things. This is how we'll say it. He's faithful. We'll say it this way. He's reliable. We'll say it this way. When, he's, when you know that he's always present, this is what it means. He hasn't forgotten about you. He shows up. He always shows up. You don't have to look around to see if he's there. Oh, he's there. He's here in this place today. You're like, I didn't see. Oh, he's here. 
He's here. You just wasn't looking. He's here. He said he would never leave you. He will never forsake you. That means he's there even when you don't think he is. I love how Psalm says it. Psalms 139. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there. <laughs> that means if I'm on the mountaintop and everything's good, you're there. If I'm in the valley and everything is just awful, you're there. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. Anywhere. You're like, I don't feel like God's with me right now. He's there. He's there. And you're like, what do I do? Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So watch this. Knowing that God is always present, always present gives me comfort. Like the little kid in the dark. Mama, can we turn on the light? And I just felt like I need to tell you the light's always been on. No matter how dark it gets. Last one, number four. God is all powerful. All powerful. It means this. He doesn't have any needs. He supplies our needs. He has the power to forgive sin. He has the power to make the worst the best. You know what that means? He's a redeemer. He's a healer. He has power over sickness. I was thinking of this earlier this morning, praying about the service, and I started thinking about names that strike something in us. Words that strike something in us. And one of the words that came to mind is whenever we hear the word cancer. The power that word has. But can I tell you, there is a name that is even greater than the name of a disease. And it's the name of the one who heals the disease. And it's the name of Jesus. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. He's a deliverer. There's nothing that he can't set you free from. Anything. You said, yeah, but we're going to need treatment. He can set you free too. He can. He can break the curse, the generational curse. He can break it. He can do it. He can heal it. He is all powerful. Psalms 24, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. So knowing that God is powerful, it means this. And this is where we finish. It means God can change my life. He can change my life. Whenever we begin to shift our focus from all the what's about what we believe and begin to bring it to who we believe, it begins to bring order to the chaos. It begins to bring order to all of the things that seem to be all over the place because we're all in the place of, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. But when I look to him, it brings clarity. It brings direction. It brings purpose. And that, my friends, 
is why you see people lifting their hands and worshiping God. Because they know without Him, it's chaos. Without the Holy Spirit breathing over the surface of the earth, there will be no water. It will just continue to be chaos. But when we recognize the Lord Almighty, He brings order. He brings peace. He brings righteousness. He brings direction. He brings some correction, but it's to get us back on the right path. Amen? He brings so much that we need, but yet we keep looking in the things He created to give us, but only He can give us what we really, really need. We're looking for a job to provide for us. God's the provider. The job is just the means, but he's the provider. Amen. We're looking for a person to make a difference in our lives. They're not that good. Only God can do it. That's why you got to pray that they're God-fearing and they're full of the Holy Spirit or else it's going to be crazy. Amen. Our reactions to the things of this world are always going to be on edge unless the Lord our God is the center of what we believe. And I just feel like as the church, we've got to come back to the who we believe rather than continuing to argue over the what because at some point, the loudest voice always feels like they have won and it's only until the next voice gets a bigger megaphone. But there has been a voice that has been speaking for generation through all of eternity and it's the voice of God. And it is unchanging. It will continue to speak life. It will continue to speak hope. Have you heard the voice? Because he's calling your name today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. He's calling your name today. And just as he walked through that garden in Genesis, and he asked Adam, where are you at? Today, the Spirit of God is walking in this room, and he's asking you, where are you at? We become lost in our opinions. We become lost in all of our busyness and all of our schedules. And the voice of God is just saying, where are you at? Because he came to seek and save us, the lost. And the call today is for us to build our beliefs on who he is. To put our faith and trust in him as our Lord, our leader, our Savior, our Father. Maybe today you don't know Him as Lord. Maybe you've created your own version of God and you see Him as a helping friend for whenever things get stressful and get heavy. But He's the Lord of our life. And as the Lord, He can help in ways you've never been helped. And perhaps today, you know, I must surrender my life to the Lord and allow him to change you. I want to lead you into prayer this morning. I want to ask you to repeat it. This is a usual thing at Emerge Church where we pray and a person makes a decision to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I want to lead you in this prayer. And I want to ask you, as you're making that decision, along with everyone else in this room, to pray it out loud. And make a declaration with your faith. Not just a prayer of, oh God, save me. But a declaration that God, not only do I want you to save me, but I announce that you're the Lord of my life. Let us pray. Say, dear Lord, thank you that you're so loving. That you're compassionate. You're full of mercy and grace. And you see me. 
and I'm away from you. But today, I come to you, and I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive my sins, to wash me, and make me a brand new person. I ask you to change my mind and the way I think about how all of this is supposed to work. And I surrender my life to you. And I announce now that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And I will from this day on live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. He's Lord.